Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. I want to talk to you today about New Jerusalem. In Isaiah chapter 2, verse 1, we read a revelation, the word of the Lord to Isaiah, the son of Amos, what he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it and many people shall go and say, Come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob and he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths and out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come ye, and let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is an image, a prophetic vision of the new Jerusalem to come. After the return of the Messiah, it's a place inhabited by Christ and those who had been faithful to trust him, to serve him, obey him, and follow his leadings and teachings and even die for the sake of his name and testimony through the great tribulation that will come upon all the world. This amazing place is described in great detail in the book of Revelations as a city that only the righteous can enter into, from which Christ himself will rule the nations. At the return of Jesus, his enduring righteous saints are gathered from among all the nations of the world and granted a place of rule with him in it because of their undying faithfulness through trial and tribulation. But for all others who remain alive at that time, they cannot enter in, but are still required by him to make a pilgrimage to it once a year. All the nations of the world will come and gather to pay honor to Christ as king, to receive instruction and even rebuke where needed. We read of it in Revelations chapter 21 verse 9 when it says, And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. This is the same mountain that was prophesied by Isaiah in our opening passage. He said, and he showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. And her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone and clear crystal. The passage continues to give you a physical description of this great place, this city that is adorned like a bride for Christ. That is a place of habitation for the faithful that have been purified through the time of tribulation. At this point, being after Christ's return and the resurrection of the dead, in which his faithful have entered into this city to rule and reign with him, yet those who fought against Jerusalem and the Christians that are still alive at this time, they are 
kept out of it because of their unrighteousness, yet are they given space even still for repentance and commanded to come yearly to receive instruction from it. At this point in time in history, there will be no more war for a thousand years. The resources and technologies that once went towards destruction will be turned towards agriculture and production as the Lord gives instruction. For many will finally lay down the works of the serpent who promised knowledge unto personal power in the garden and began to fulfill the commission that they were originally given to subdue the land and tend to the garden of the earth. What an amazing, beautiful, and grand time to be alive. Yet surprisingly enough, as hard as this is to fathom, some will still resist the rule of Jesus in their pride and arrogance. However, in Jesus' unmatched, uncomprehensible patience, he does not destroy them, but as he always does, he gives them space for repentance by holding back the reins until they come into compliance. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 26, we read, And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it, this new Jerusalem that descends down from heaven. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. You see, in the historic Israel, the lands were not watered by mighty rivers. Therefore, God's people had to rely on him to bring the rains to sustain them. Therefore, they could not forget about him. They depended too heavily upon him. Yet when they did begin to trust too much in their own wittiness and inventions, did he have to allow them to fail them, as he often withheld the rains from them? in order to remind them of their dependence. This is what will happen to the whole world in the end. They trust in their own perceived intelligence, in their idols and inventions, in their knowledge and power, granted by the great deceiver, that old serpent himself. So does God eventually step back and allow it all to fail them. Because of this, the earth falls into a time of great war, of violence, of famine, of heat, fire, and of rainlessness. So great is the destruction of the earth caused by man following the influence of the serpent from the garden that Jesus himself has to step in to stop it. Scripture then implies that he will make new and heal the land Yet does he not return it to the way that it was before. In fact, it implies that in some ways it will be quite opposite. Where Israel had no mighty river and relied on God for rain, in this time will there be a great and mighty river that will spring forth in Israel from the very mountain of God. Yet will all the rest of the world that once did have these great and mighty rivers no longer will have them and will be forced to depend on God for rain, as Israel once did. In faith, they will have to maintain obedience in order to receive it. In this way, will he teach them to follow his leading just like he did for the children of Israel in the wilderness.
In Zechariah chapter 14, verse 16, we read this, And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year after year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And it shall be that whosoever shall not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. And if the family of Egypt go not up, and come not, that have no rain, there shall be a plague, wherewith the Lord shall smite the heathen, that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles. This shall be the punishment of Egypt, and the punishment of all nations, that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles, which will be held at New Jerusalem. Do you understand the picture that he is painting? How merciful and how good is our God. That when there is no more excuse for sin, we're talking about after the time of tribulation, after the return of Jesus and the resurrection of the dead, after the establishment of new Jerusalem, after the decree is given that all of those who were still in their sin but yet living have been given space for repentance and all of the nations, though they cannot enter into it, are still required to make a pilgrimage to new Jerusalem to participate in the Feast of Tabernacles. Tabernacles. Yet those who still resist him, when there is no more excuse for sin, no more logic to rebellion, no more justification of deception, still he is willing to give space for repentance and to take time to teach men as dear children. For my friend, he understands this, that pride and rebellion is childishness. And obedience and selflessness is of a mature spirit. So does he have patience beyond patience, even when it does not make sense to us? Teaching us to love and instruct and have patience ourselves as we labor to bring all men into the kingdom and present them repentant to Christ as the reward of his suffering. My friend, I assure you that this day is fast coming. He will soon be returning. May we be found worthy to serve him in New Jerusalem, where we will daily learn the depths of his great love, wisdom, and mercy. O Lord, may we be found ready and not miss our place in this great city. In Revelations chapter 21, verse 2, we read this. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them, and be their God, and God will wipe away all the tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I will make a new thing. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. 
There's a lot of speculation about what will take place in New Jerusalem, but this one thing I know, that the scripture says that we will rule and reign with Jesus in it. And if we are ruling and reigning, then there is still a lot of living to be had on the other side of the resurrection. In fact, we can say that the life that we're living now is then a job interview for the positions we will be given on the other side of this resurrection. What can he trust us with? Because he says those who are faithful with the little, he will make ruler over much. He said in the parable of the talents that those who were faithful to use and to multiply the small talents that God had given them, he would make them rulers over many cities. There is a whole new dispensation coming after the book of Revelations, and we have a part to play in it if we trust him and step out in faith in the one we're in. If we love him and demonstrate him rightly as we seek to call men out of their sin, as we seek to love the loveless, as we seek to serve the least of these and even our enemies. My friend, make it a point today to begin to read the red-lettered words of Jesus his teachings, and live by them because he gave them to us as instruction in righteousness that we might learn how to rightly and justly rule and reign with him in this kingdom that's coming. It is his kingdom, but there is a place in it for those who trusted him. In fact, the Bible says, know ye not that we shall be judges over angels, that it has not entered into the imagination or the hearts of men, the things that God has planned for those who love and trust him. We can't even fathom the glory that is coming, the purposes, the plans, the dispensation that lies on the other side of the book of the Revelation. But we do know this, that it is not the end, but the beginning of a new beginning. The Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot that is commanded to still be observed yearly during this time of the New Jerusalem is a seven-day festival. And then there is an eighth day after it because seven days is a week. So the eighth day you would think to be the beginning of a new week, but it's not considered day one all over again. It's the eighth day. It's something different. It's celebrated separate yet connected to the seven that came before it. And the representation given in it is that if a thousand years is as a day, then through 7,000 years of creation and dispensation, we've been brought from Genesis to Revelations. But on the eighth day, that's New Jerusalem. That's the new beginning. In fact, in biblical numerology, the number eight is the number of new beginnings. That's when those who have died in Christ really start. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.